Men's mental health matters. Live life with an outback mind. Thanks so much for joining in episode 210 today with Mr. Troy Gray. Now, a few AFL fanatics may remember Troy played for the Sydney Swans uh, back in the 90s. Um, but post his career, he's been uh, <laughs> an amazing entrepreneur, done some amazing things. Uh, more recently, um, has created a TV series called Adventure All Stars, where he takes everyday people away uh, and creates uh, amazing experiences for them and films them and uh, changes lives. But more importantly, too, he actually uh, donates a lot of the proceeds from this uh, series back to charity. So. I believe Troy's a very heart-based individual which is trying to do great things to be able to help humanity and uh, the more we can do that, the more in alignment we are as humans. We're not disconnected and separated and uh, trying to be, uh, I suppose, uh, you know, uh, successful in what society sees us as being successful. But I believe the, the guys and, uh, and people out there that are more heart-based and living uh more in their truth and doing things to be able to help others it really gets us back to a sense of uh, purpose and belonging and we are meaning and uh, awareness again. So I think Troy is one of those individuals. So we're going to have a good chat about his journey today, uh, why he may not have uh, succeeded as a footballer and uh, all the good stuff that's came from or come from that adversity of not being able to make it uh, at a higher level. You know, It's amazing when one door shuts, uh, how other doors open when we open ourselves up to that. So that's going to be a key message of uh, today's conversation. If you'd like to help us out, I'd really appreciate it. Jump on the Outback Mind Foundation website. Um, if you could uh, chip in a donation, I'd be really help, uh, happy and <laughs> it'd really be helpful for us. Not many people do donate, but uh, every little bit helps. So if you can help us out, I'd be, be really grateful. Just jump on support at outbackmind.org.au. Sorry, uh, outbackmind.org.au. So the website, outbackmind.org.au. If you'd like to give us some feedback, please email support at outbackmind.org.au. Really appreciate your feedback on this conversation with Troy. And also a lot of the good comments that have been coming in from other podcasts that have happened over the last uh, few weeks have been really grateful. So I really appreciate your support. Alrighty, thanks for listening in. G'day, Troy. Aaron, good to uh, be with you. Yeah, mate. L- lovely to have you here, mate. And um, I do vaguely remember you being at the Swans years ago. And uh, I had a couple of colleagues that were there, Wade Chapman and, um, oh, Jesus, a few others that I sort of knew that were probably around uh, around that time. And, uh, yeah, uh, how, how was it for you, mate? You're only there for like two or three years. Is that right from memory? Well, it's, uh, your memory's not bad and you've done well to remember me, but it was a bit longer. I had five years at the Swans um, and then I went down to St Kilda afterwards. But I, I remember Wade Chapman really well. So Chappie was just a, such a passionate player and it was pretty awesome to, you know, as a 17, 18-year-old go from um, the country. I was from Leeton in New South Wales mm. and via Queen Bean ended up at the Swans and, you know, playing down at the SCG and the MCG and, you know, all these crowds all of a sudden turning up to watch me play. It was pretty special. <laughs> How, um, so you got drafted as a young fella? Yeah, absolutely. I, I just finished year 12 and off I went to the big smoke. I had a, a, a mate of mine that also got um, drafted in the same year and we drove in his ute down to Sydney and uh, had to navigate the traffic and the big smoke and there we were. We 
we were Sydney Swans players, at, you know, and we're still teenagers. Mm, what made you choose uh, footy over rugby league being from Leeton? Well, we played both. So I actually, all the boys would play Australian rules football on a Saturday and rugby league on a Sunday. But um, my father, he was born and raised in Victoria and he played VFA down there. Um, and so he was still coaching when I was born. And yeah, it, it, it was running through the veins pretty much from an early age. And even when I sort of strayed to rugby union or rugby league, I always came back to Aussie rules. So I think I was always destined to, to play AFL. And it's really good. I wasn't aware you were from regional Australia, mate, so uh, good to hear. And what were some of the, the memories that you had from growing up as a young fella in Leeton? Oh, well, the memories were great. You know, it was like <laughs> life was grand. You had no worries and you, you were in the outdoors and there was no social media to bother us and we just would hang around mates and do fun things. So all of my memories from growing up were, were wonderful. Um, I, I'm now living in Adelaide and that's via Sydney and Melbourne so I've become a bit more of a, a city slicker now but you know it's it's a pretty special place to be in the Australian country and I know a lot of people that you deal with and a lot of your listeners and people that you benefit through um, your charity they're, they're all out there in rural Australia and um, they, they, they should hopefully uh, they're all thinking they're very lucky people. Yeah, mate, agreed. No, I, I, I'm really amazed. Like, all these different country towns that uh, I've been to and get to go to, they've all got their own heartbeat. And, uh, you know, uh, it's amazing once you get into the nitty-gritty of, uh, of regional Australian people how salt of the earth they are. And uh, we've just got, you know, more simplicity out here. We're sort of more connected to the environment and nature and all that type of stuff. And, um, yeah, mate, I grew up the same, swimming in rivers and lakes and uh, mucking around and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, it was a great foundation for me uh, as a young fella and something that I'll uh, always be grateful for. And uh, probably would have been tricky for you um, rocking up at Sydney. You probably would have had uh, Tony Lockett and that floating around about that period, wouldn't you? Yeah, so the first two years or so I played against Tony when he was at St Kilda. And, um, you know, I, I think back to... Uh, when I was playing fullback, which was, you know, in the early 90s, and, you know, one week you'd be on Tony Lockett, next week you'd be on Tony Modra, then you'd be on, you know, John Longmire, and then it was Jason Dunstall, and then it was Gary Ablett. So it was uh, mm-hmm. it was an era with some awesome players, but as you rightly said, Tony Lockett ended up changing sides, and he came up north from St Kilda, and he became part of the Swans, um, and Paul Ruse did the same, and a few other sort of big names that helped establish Sydney to the awesome outfit they are today. Mate, um, did you ever get any bags kicked on you from from those guys? No, I was very lucky. I, I don't know, it's, it could almost sound throwaway or not factually correct, but I, I never got stitched up by those players. Um, although I remember in one game, um, I was playing against Tony Modra and it was at the SCG and he took a couple of absolute hangers on my back and bagged two or three goals uh, in the first quarter. And Ron Brassy was coaching then at the Swans, and he soon bought the runner out. And uh, I was sitting on the bench just sort of trying to realign yes. myself. And yeah, yeah. but that, that were the days when you never wanted to come off. And you know, to, to be on the interchange bench was a penalty. But yeah. obviously now the games change and they're coming on and off all the time. Yeah, mate, it's a different world. Yeah, you felt a bit humiliated back then when that happened, didn't you? But uh... Yeah, different story, mate. How did you go uh, in your time there? Like, um, uh, you obviously were reasonably successful. Did you notice any um, any challenges you might have had uh, with your mental well-being or anyone else that was uh, in the environment? 
Well, absolutely. I mean, 92, um, we came last. 93, we came last. And we also, um, not many people will remember, we had a coach called Gary Bacanara, who mm. was a, the next Hawthorne legend. Yep. And he came and coached, and he only lasted a year. And he, we were part of a team that from round 7, 1992, lost a record, and it still is to this day, 26 games in a row we lost. Mm. And that sort of spanned into the 93 season. And yes, you, I mean, I, I can only imagine what everyone was going through. But back then, blokes didn't talk. I mean, the coach wouldn't talk to the players on that level. That We had no external help. Um, you know, if I sat down with any of the other players... I think you were deemed, you know, soft and mm. ungrateful and disrespectful if you spoke negatively about anything. So, um, oh, it was tough. Absolutely, we people stopped coming to the games. Um, I remember sometimes it got so bad that, you know, after a game, if we went out as a group and people asked you what you did, you'd actually wouldn't even tell them you played for the Sydney Swans <laughs> because you're too embarrassed. You know, we, we were we were a laughing stock. So, mm. you know, and. and but, but this is a good, I think it's a really good message to everyone um, that's listening is because we refocused and we started gaining belief and within two years we're playing in a grand final. Yes. So things can change. Yeah. Oh, mate, I absolutely agree. <clears throat> you know, uh, that's that's a strong message of what we try and do with the Outback Mind Foundation is actually like understand or help people understand impermanence and how things can shift really easily and quickly if you can, you know, start to work on a pathway of uh of growth rather than sort of being stuck in the um you know in the traumatic uh experiences that some of us have experienced you know and be able to to move forward and you know we're, we're so lucky in modern society that we're actually able to open up and have conversations like this that we weren't once able to do um you know and support of you know other men is so much more important and it's interesting you mentioned gary like gary's been on here and um, you know, we had a really good chat about his journey and, you know, some of the struggles that he went through um, with his mental health, you know, being exited from the swans and what that did to him. It nearly took him to a, you know, a place of suicide. And that was probably not known and recognised back then because he felt so ashamed uh, by it. But now he's actually, you know, you know, really turned the corner and being able to sort of have these conversations more and more openly with others, which is tremendous. Oh, yeah. Look, and, and we have come a long way, but um, like you know, we're still a long way to go, and I just think it's really important that that message that you contain there in that in that last sort of dialogue to me is that men can feel comfortable talking about their issues. And um, I'm, I'm a guy like you, like your listeners, that hails from the abortion. You know, all my um, cousins on my mum's side are all still farmers, and you know, I played football all my life. So you're meant to be this rugged, tough Aussie bloke, and nothing's meant to face us, but the reality is it does, and, and it, unless you can deal with it or unless you've got an outlet, um, things can build up and, and, it, and it can get difficult, and we never want it to get to that point. Did you ever get stuck on uh, your identity or to your identity where you thought you'd failed because you might have failed as a footballer and uh, you know what the, the judgments of others uh, back home might have thought about you at the time? You know, it's, it's interesting. I think what I was doing is I was trying to bury most of the embarrassment or humiliation on the back of you know, losing and, and perhaps not performing as well as I could. And, um, you know, I, I got delisted from the Swans. I still had time to run on my contract. And I was, you know, I was basically shunted down to St Kilda against my wishes. And, and I was down there in a foreign environment. Um, I also signed a multi-year deal and I didn't see that through either. And I was delisted. 
and I ended up over in Adelaide. So I think basically by the time I got to Adelaide, I was just burying stuff constantly to try and just pretend it didn't happen. I didn't want to talk about it. I was trying to avoid, you know, um, communication about it and, and just try to get back out onto the field even when I got to South Australia and just prove myself out on the ground and try and pretend that all the bad things or the, the, the feelings I was experiencing uh, could easily just subside or go away and, you know, and, and we know that's, that that doesn't happen. And sometimes unless you confront things and deal with things, building building it up and, and doing that over a number of years is not good for you. No, I agree, mate. And that's the thing. We, we, we quite often get stuck, you know, on the failure and the, the disappointment. But, you know, really what, I, uh, what I, I love about life is, you know, we can actually like start to understand that this has taught us something for a reason and we can start to look at what opportunities are going to you know, present and open up for us now. I think once we sort of transition into that growth mindset, then we actually open ourselves up to our potential and, uh, and our purpose in this life. And you know, I, I observe with you, you know, that everything's happened for a reason. You know, you weren't probably destined to be a great footballer, but it's actually taken you on a pathway where you're actually doing more uh, of what you're aligned to do and what you're here, you know, here to do as a, as a human primarily. And, um, you know, I, I think you probably mucked around with footy for a while, but then things started to open up for you more professionally. Yeah, well, I always, um, well, I suppose I wasn't aware of it, but post-football I, I just did develop a drive and I, I felt, well, maybe you're right, maybe I was destined to do something else. And so I look back now and I, I don't miss football. I mean, I, I love football. I have massive admiration for all the athletes that run around every weekend. But, um, you know, and I've established some of my best friends are all through football, but I don't necessarily miss it. And, you know, like you said, I've taken my journey on a completely different path. And so professionally, I've, I've done and seen and, and met some amazing people and seen some wonderful sights all because football perhaps didn't work out and I ended up, uh, you know, I travelled the world, I started making TV shows and now I'm heavily involved in charity as well. Mm, amazing, mate. So what what really got you into this uh, filmmaking type, um, you know, world? Like, was there something as a young fella that you liked doing or how did you end up in it? Uh, it all became around travel. I used to, I had a real passion for uh, other cultures and experiencing places off the beaten track. So, you know, even... Even back in my AFL days, my professional football days, I'd go on the footy trip, but then I'd take off on my own to somewhere like the Middle East or Central America and, you know, even up to Mount Everest. And I'd, you know, I'd take the backpack and not a, I didn't have a real plan, but just had a passion to experience things that I, I probably never would have experienced had I not taken those opportunities. I, uh, travelling alone gave me the chance to make up my own itinerary and meet people as we went. And, yeah, as I was doing that, I thought, well, I... There's no good just taking photos. I feel like I should be documenting this. So I, you know, got my own video camera and started, you know, they were heavy back in the day and big <laughs> and cumbersome. And, yeah. and, I, and I just, I was just editing that at home, just, you know, using VHS tapes and um, only for my own purpose, just for creating memories. And yeah. then one day I heard of a, a bunch of people that were going to go to Mount Everest to raise money for a charity and they were having an information night. So, that was sort of back at around 2005 and I went along and I, I went to this information session and I looked around and the people in the room, you know, there was, there, there, were, there were people just in school, there was a guy sitting next to me that had been homeless for a long time and he was talking to me about his experience and then, you know, on the other side I had these corporate CEOs, but they were all about to go together on the same journey and I said, that's a story. These people are all doing this for a reason 
Um, and I think I need to to try and turn this into a TV show. So I, I, I was able to film that, and I, I got a, a, a friend of mine who's a great uh, camera person, and the documentary about Mount Everest ended up winning a gold medal in cinematography, and that, that just inspired me to do more. So off I went to places like Papua New Guinea, and now we travel around Australia and New Zealand, and, and our shows are in 25 countries. Mate, so so how did this sort of you know come about? Um, obviously, you got a passion about uh, to be able to um, you know drive some dollars back into charities. But uh, I really congratulate you for that. That that's amazing. But um, you know this adventure all stars thing intrigues me. It actually like makes me feel motivated that it's something I can do myself and get out there and start to uh, to to you know possibly make a difference. You know, as a fifty year old male, you've had some pretty amazing people on there just from knock about places that haven't got any uh, profile or anything like that oh absolutely uh, and adventure all stars is a tv show that is um filmed by my company i, I founded a, an organization called charity tv global so effectively we mix entertainment with philanthropy so our idea is to give people what across australia um and we got a lot of people from outback and rural australia that participate we get them to raise funds for a charity that they're passionate about and then we reward them by taking them away to a secret location for a week of fun and adventure so they become the stars in our show and the net proceeds from that filming and fundraising project go back to charity so um Mm. yeah it's pretty amazing like we've we've ticked over nine million dollars we're now one of the biggest um contributors to philanthropy of any tv show in the world and you know, I just I'm I'm loving the fact that we're giving people a reason or an, or another incentive to raise funds for causes they're passionate about, and, and we get to reward them by having them star in our TV show. Yeah, amazing, mate. Think about it. You know, something that come to me then, like back when we were young fellas, and you know, if you were good at sport, you got recognised and rewarded for uh, for you know your craft, and you maybe got a uh, a role with the Swans or. You know, the Sea Eagles or someone like that if you're a good good rugby player. But the average uh, average guy back there that maybe had um, you know some some real uh, talent and ability in other areas was probably forgotten about a bit and didn't get the opportunities to be able to get out and do something and make a difference. And you know, for for you to be able to do what you're doing now is helping real people that um, that have just got you know ordinary backgrounds and and probably not so much recognised talent to be able to expose. Their, their hearts and actually get out there and do something that can make a difference and, and that can actually help them individually but it actually helps so many people uh, as well oh yeah absolutely it helps them it, it gives them a purpose you know they, they raise funds and so they, they start helping other people they get the, the pat on the back and the recognition there's also a, a massive sort of social benefit to not only the community but to these people and their friends they, they feel like they've got it they're giving back they're they're being um recognized for for just actually going out and trying to make a difference and i love that fact and and but also it's great for charities because there's so many charities that are all trying to work out how the heck do we raise our profile and how do we raise money Mm -hmm. so sort of uh, trying to merge entertainment with philanthropy gives charities another platform to try and encourage people to to raise funds for their organization um but there's also this I think there's this really strange, um, I don't know whether it's called a myth, but people tend to think that if you're giving to charity, 
it should be all under the carpet and there should be no recognition and there should be no pat on the back because you, you shouldn't be looking for that. You should be doing it just because you want to give to the charity, you want to help them. But I see nothing wrong with saying thank you and putting these people on a pedestal and saying you need to be recognised for your great work. And I think that's okay. We might be turning the corner now that actually allow people to go and do wonderful things and then, you know, there's a carrot at the end, an incentive to say, right, because you were so philanthropic, because you were so community-spirited, we're going to... We're going to reward you for that, and, and our TV show, Adventure All Stars, does that. Amazing. Yeah, really, what I want to be able to do is to be able to you know, provide a return to donor. So they're actually like, you know, they're feeling like they're part of something. And, um, you know, I'll give you an example. On Friday night, I, uh, I walked around the Barora and Hotel and, and raffled off a men's hair care pack, which was donated to me. And, um, and through that, you get conversations um, happening about uh, men's health and, and those sorts of things and the amount of stories and, you know, people that open up are, are really you know, incredible and, and inspiring. But, um, but, yeah, you know, when we were young fellas, mate, the old guy with the salvo tin rattled around a little bit and then we had the Good Friday appeal, but there wasn't really much else. But now there's lots, you know, and uh, when you're at the coalface of it all and at the grassroots level, you know, I just think, we've got to get out and, and do the work, you know, and, and have those conversations to be able to, um, to, to talk about this sort of stuff. And, um, um, you know, it's, it's unfortunately competitive in the charity world, and I never realised that. You know, I just thought, well, I need to do something to make a difference. But, you know, when you're asking for help and you're not getting it, it can be really deflating too. Um, you know, I was sort of battled with that a little bit, but I'm still con- continuing to stick at the knitting because I know what I... I do is needed and it works and um, you know I just think um, we've got evidence uh, that, that there's, there's issues Carl. out there we just need to be able to um, uh, you know uh, actually like tackle it at the coalface and, and try and make uh, make some change where it's needed I guess at the end of the day. Absolutely and being charitable whether it's running a charity or, or volunteering or donating um, it's not like everyone will do it just because you ask them. And, and that's sometimes very difficult, as you rightly said. But it's just about persistence and it's like life, isn't it? Like, I think everything we want doesn't just land, you know, at our feet. We, we sometimes have to just feel motivated to keep trying. You know, they, the old song, you know, we hear it or the saying, get knocked down, get up again. Um, it, it, it's reality, it's life, it's tough. Uh, and we just have to know that, I think one, one person actually said to me recently and they said that there is light at the end of everyone's tunnel. It's just that some people's tunnels are a little longer. Yes. And I thought that's that's a really, really good saying because, you know, when you're in that that tunnel and you can't see the light and it's dark and it's lonely and you're like, well, no, people keep telling me there's light at the end of the tunnel. We'll just keep moving one foot in front of the other and... Your tunnel might be longer than some, but that light will be there. And once you see the light, the motivation, the inspiration, the, the smile, everything returns and you then understand that um, life is good. Agree, mate. Same as being a footballer. You know, there were some guys that were gifted that, uh, that never made it, but the ones that worked hard uh, end up getting, uh, you know, the best results. And, uh, you know, I love those stories of, um, of seeing, you know, uh, young fellas from Horsham, where I'm from, that just never gave up and they've ended up, you know, two, 300-game players and... It's no different than anything in life. If you keep uh, keep at it and believe in, in what your heart's telling you to do, then, you know, usually uh, or mostly uh, always, uh, you know, things, good things come from that at the end of the day because you're not doing it 
from ego, you know, or, or an agenda. It's actually like doing it uh, to, to help make a difference in the world. And, you know, I really congratulate you for for what you're doing and having that recognition to be able to, you know, connect with, with that purpose because, you know, rather than looking for personal gain, you're actually doing it more to support other people and, you know, rewards come from that at the end of the day. Yeah, well, the, the rewards are the people I meet and the difference that I'm able to make as well. And um, I think when you add those things together, you start seeing about, you know, sometimes what life's all about and uh, helping others, there's nothing like it. I, I always equate it to um, Christmas. There are some people that just love getting presents, but I reckon the feeling of giving someone a present, watching them unwrap it with that big smile, and then, you know, when they that embrace that happens afterwards as a thank you, mm. that, that that's that's Christmas. That's yep. that's what makes you feel good. And I think there'll be a lot of people out there, parents in particular, they know Christmas is not about them. It's it's about others. It's about the children and. Um, I think life sometimes is the same, and if we can help others, we're in, you know indirectly, sometimes directly, we're helping ourselves. I agree, mate. Yeah, there's a pure, pure uh, lesson and, and a gift in that. You know, once your heart's open and you're actually like uh, allowing, uh, you know, uh, things to, to to evolve and come, then then how much good comes from that? But when you sort of you, you, you're just uh, expecting and, and wanting to receive uh, consistently, um, you know, that's when uh, we can get out of alignment as humans. I just believe that we're meant to be open as humans and, and you know, generally supporting one another and, and doing things which, uh, you know, inspire and are compassionate to one another. And when we start to live in that space, then we start to open ourselves up to our potential, you know, and um, you know, competition, for example, uh, you know, as an athlete um, is good in some ways, but... Uh, I think that compassion is so much more powerful than, than, than competition. And when we sort of uh, compete less and, uh, you know, be more open to, uh, to our, um, you know, the essence of our humanology, then we start to, uh, you know, really start to embrace life as, as it's meant to be. Absolutely. And a lot of, you know, again, your listeners, the rural people, no one does it better than the Aussie community. You know, we get together and we rally behind each other in times of need. And, and that might be something that's, really interesting in, in looking at is that we, we it might be times of drought or, or flood or fire and we rally together to help others that may be less fortunate or have suffered more but then at the same time while we're helping others we're perhaps not even helping ourselves you know how are we feeling how are we coping who's looking after me um and they're all questions when you are I, and i don't want to confuse people by saying you should help you should give you should support but don't forget about yourself, and and if if you're not kind to yourself, um, then you know that can take its toll as well. Absolutely, mate. Agree. You know we've got to we've got to learn. That's that's one thing. As men, uh, primarily, uh, you know, we, we we aren't kind to ourselves, and we we do uh, judge ourselves a lot. But you know, to be able to to find that. Uh, that gift in all the good stuff we've done, and uh, you know, be able to connect in, uh, you know, connect more what's uh, what's right about us rather than what's wrong about us is really difficult for a lot of us to do. But the more we can do that, then the, we actually start to open ourselves up to our, our truth and our potential, mate. So, really, uh, really appreciate what you're doing, mate. And I think the, the best is yet to come for you. You've still got uh, plenty to, on, on the journey and, and lots of good stuff to um, you know to evolve, you know, moving forward. So. How's, uh, what's the best way for people to, to maybe look at the work you're doing and maybe uh, get involved in some way? Well, you can do two things. You can jump onto social media and just simply look up Adventure All-Stars. Um, likewise, you can do so with Charity TV Global. Or you can just simply go to our website, which is adventureallstars.tv. 
Uh, you'll find all the information about, you know, how you can become part of what we're doing. If you're a charity, you can have a look at what we're doing and um, make an informed decision of whether it's something that could suit your organisation. But, yeah, it's, you know, with social media now on Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn, there's a lot of ways to, to follow what we're doing on a daily basis. And, um, you know, even tonight, uh, that's probably a good plug. Although, <laughs> when does this go out to the public? Uh, probably in the next half an hour. So it's good timing. Right. <laughs> yeah, well, tonight at, um, at 8 p.m. Australian Eastern Daylight Time, which is 7 p.m. in Queensland, 7.30 in... Uh, South Australia and uh, 5 p.m. in Perth, where our show, Adventure All Stars, will be on uh, 7 Plus um, on the Outdoor Channel. So you'll be able to catch that. It's a live viewing at uh, yeah 7 p.m. Queensland time, 8 p.m. Melbourne, Sydney. Adventure All Stars. Tune in and have a bit of fun. <laughs> Amazing, mate. Isn't it? Like think about all these different channels that are out now. Like when we were kids, it was probably two or three in uh, Leeton and Horsham, where I was from. We just got so much access to, to all this good stuff. So I'll be seeing if actually I've got to run a men's circle tonight, but I'll see if I can watch a, uh, a replay on it, mate. And um, again, really uh, congratulate you for what you're doing, mate. And um, yeah, as I said, the best yet to come. So keep keep going about it the way you are, mate. And uh, really, uh, really want to congratulate you for uh, for everything you've done. And um, as I said, everything's happened for a reason. So. Uh, the Swans and the Saints missed out in a good one, and uh, the world's benefiting from that. So I really appreciate it, mate. Uh, kind words. Really appreciate it, Aaron. And, and I, I hope you understand that people recognise you for the great work you're doing. And, you know, you said you're chipping away, and no doubt with the support of people that are listening to this and others in the community, you can um, make the most of what you're trying to do to empower men and to look after their own well-being. Yeah, appreciate it, mate.